Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Joey Valcarcel. Good evening, Rock Church. My name is Pastor Joseph. It is a privilege to be with you uh, tonight, and um, it's an honor to be able to share the Word of God. And I really believe that uh, this Word is going to be a life-changing Word for you and for your family. And uh, that's not because I'm such a great communicator or sermon prep, but that is because of the value and the power that is intrinsic in the Word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. We read in Hebrews that the Word of God has the life and power within it to do in your life what you could not otherwise do on your own. I love what Proverbs says. It says the entrance of God's Word brings light. And we can go on and on, but what I want you to know today is that I could be a very flawed communicator, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God, if you will open up your heart, and that's my prayer for you, you would open up your heart and you would open up your ear to hear what God wants to say, and in doing so, um, you will experience His life-transforming power. And so, in fact, why don't we go ahead and pray today before we jump into the Word of God, and uh, if you'll just go ahead and bow your heads with me, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, for this opportunity today. Lord, we thank you for the precious, holy written Word of God, Father God. It is, it is a gift that you have given to us, Lord, to help us on our journey here earthside until we see you face to face. Lord, we don't take it lightly. We approach it with great honor and great respect. Lord, we place great value on what you have to say, uh, Lord, because we know that it will make the difference in our lives and will cause us to overcome and be triumphant, be everything that you've called us to be, and help us to accomplish everything that you desire for us to accomplish. So we thank you for the word. We open up our hearts. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and to move and to have your operation, Lord, among us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Well, if you brought your Bible, I want to take you to 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be looking at pretty much the whole chapter. Um, and as you turn there, let me give you the title of the message today. It is this, Characteristics of a Standout Church. Characteristics of a standout church. And um, if I could say this about the church of Thessalonica, they were a standout church. In fact, um, their faith had gone out and had sounded forth, as, as we will read here in just a moment, to the entire region of Macedonia and Achaia. Now you might be sitting there thinking to yourself, well that's great Pastor Joe, I have no idea where Macedonia or Achaia are. Well let me help you. You don't have to turn to the back of your Bible and look at the maps. You could if you wanted, but uh, Macedonia and Achaia are what we would know today as modern-day Greece. And so these people's faith and the proclamation of the Word of God had so gone out that this entire region knew about them. And you know, if I could say this, I don't think that God has a problem bragging a little bit on His children when they are, when they are living an outstanding life. And it's not because God is braggadocious and He wants to belittle others, but it is because He wants to to tell the rest of the world that, hey, here's what life could be like if you will link up with me. And so I really believe that as a church, uh, you and I, that God wants to take our faith and God wants to take our works and God wants to take the different things that he's doing in our hearts and in our lives and through us and make those resound throughout the entire world. And it's going to happen as you and I begin to embrace um, these characteristics that were present within the Thessalonian church. In fact, I, I almost titled this message, Benchmarks of a Standout Church. You see, I don't want this just to be a history lesson of, um, you know, what happened with the Thessalonians and for us to walk away and say, hey, that was a great story and, and do nothing with it. But scripture records stories of people just like you and just like me. 
for our edification. In fact, God doesn't hold anything back. You'll find from the beginning of the book to the end that God, God lets us know about the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's, it, it's all there so that we can learn from the mistakes of others and hopefully not repeat them. Also see that even when we do make mistakes, because nobody's perfect, right, that there is grace and mercy to help us stand up back, to help us stand up once again and continue to follow God forward. But it is also there to help us to follow the example of those who have had great triumphs. And the, and the scripture tells us that if we will follow their example of patience and follow their example of faith, we will attain to and we will reach and have the same outcome that they did. And what is that outcome? That outcome is the very glory of God taking place in your heart and in your life and in the lives of your loved ones, your family, and, and those around you. And so let this be not only an identification of the characteristics of the Thessalonians, but let them become benchmarks that you and I uh, strive to achieve, that you and I uh, desire to attain to and, and embrace in our, in our lives. I just want to take one moment to say that, you know, if you compare this church with that of the Corinth church, the Corinth church was a very, was a very carnal church, the Bible describes. The word carnal means that they were flesh ruled. In other words, their flesh dictated the things that they thought about, the things that they spoke, and the things that they did. And so Paul, had, Paul the Apostle had to come along and unlike the Thessalonians where he was commending them for their faith in the Lord, he had to come along and he had to spend a lot of time setting things straight and, and correcting them where they had, had missteps. And, and so rather than be that way, why, why not be like the Thessalonican church and bring, God, and bring God the glory that he so richly deserves? So today, let's go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's begin reading with verse number, um, verse number 2 here. And we're going to read all the way through verse number 10. 2 all the way through 10. Here's what it says. It says, we think, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you all uh, in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and, and Achaia, but also in every place. Wow. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he, he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Wow, what a great testimony that their faith, that the word of God had sounded forth and their faith had gone out to all those in Macedonia, Achaia, and he even adds here, and in every place. And so what were their characteristics? Well, let's begin to take a look at it um, here today. Uh, number one, we find in verse number three that they had patience of hope. Let's read verse number three one more time. It says, remember without ceasing your work of faith. Now that's a great attribute right there that we could spend some time talking about. Labor of love, but I like this one, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Again, there's a lot of different, of different characteristics that we could talk about today, but I've got just three for you, all right? And I like this one here in verse number three. It talks about patience of hope. 
Now, some of your translations uh, say that they had persistent hope or they had a continual hope, and, and, and that's great. But I like the New King James Version because it brings us this, this idea of patience and this patience being the result of hope in these people's lives. In other words, they had patience because of the hope that was present in their hearts and in their minds. Let me take just a moment and describe to you um, what patience is. Here's how we're going to define it tonight. The ability to remain consistent in the harshest of circumstances. One more time, what is, when we talk about patience, what are we talking about? We're talking about the ability to remain consistent in the harshest of circumstances. Uh, let me read to you this verse. This is not one that I had ready for the overhead, but it's one that came to me uh, not too long ago. Romans 8.25 says, But if we hope for what we do not see, watch this, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. In other words, we, th- there's this ability to have perseverance. Um, there's this ability to have patience. Um, this ability to remain consistent even in the harshest of circumstances, because there's this grace available to us called hope that helps us to do just that. So once again today, patience, the ability to remain consistent in the harshest of circumstances. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound a whole lot of fun to me. Um, In fact, I know that uh, in the different areas of my life where patience has been required, uh, it it, it can be a real struggle, and I'm sure you you can relate, right? When, 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 when remaining consistent is, is something that we know that we need to do, um, especially in difficult times, uh, man, we're tempted to complain. We're tempted to pout. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen, right? Lash out and, and, and come unglued, quit, throw, up, you know, throw in the towel and, and, and walk away. All, all of these different feelings and all of these different emotions and thoughts come our way when we face difficulty. But God says, hey, listen, here's how you face difficulty. You have to remain consistent in the difficult times. Again, doesn't sound really easy. doesn't sound really fun. However, when you have this attribute or this characteristic of hope present, all of a sudden now you are graced with the ability to remain consistent in difficult times. Okay? Hope graces our life to be resilient in the toughest of situations. Now, what is hope? Okay? Hope is something you don't currently have, but you are confidently expecting or looking forward to. Let me say that again. Hope is not something that you currently have, but it is something that you are confidently expecting or looking forward to. And when you face difficult situations and difficult times, if there's, if there's something at the end of the tunnel, if there's a purpose to your pain, come on somebody, then you are, you are enabled to endure that difficulty because of what lies ahead. Let me see if I can give you an example to help describe this idea of patience of hope, okay? A bodybuilder or an athlete will endure the exertion and pain in weight training because he knows that greater strength lies at the end of his exercise. A better physique lies at the end of his exercise. You know, right now we're in the COVID-19 shutdown or lockdown or whatever you want to call it. And so the, the local gym is not available, right? Uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're there at home and you're, and you're doing a, um, you know, exercises in your backyard, trying to stay in shape. Me and my family have been going on like hour-long walks, you know, in, in our free time. And, and so there's different ways that we, that we try and stay fit and try and stay healthy, right? I remember when I was going to the gym, one of the things I, I despised the most was leg day. Leg day was awful because 
You know, your legs have some of the biggest muscles in your body. And man, when you break those down under the, uh, under the scrutiny of weight and you break those down underneath the scrutiny of, let's say, squats, man, the next day and the day after you are so sore, I would be so sore, I would not get out of bed. But you know, I would endure the pain because I knew greater strength lied for me at the end. I would endure the pain because a better physique awaited me at the end of my, of my, tri- of my trial and of my, of my situation. How about, a, how, about a, how about a woman? A woman will endure, um, a, a, a woman will endure morning sickness and bed rests for some of you, blood, sweat, tears, and the pain of childbearing because you know at the end of your, of your situation comes a baby. And Jesus says, in fact, once the woman has the baby, she forgets all the pain that she went through because the joy of a life has come. An employee will put up with a difficult colleague or an unreasonable supervisor if they know promotion is around the corner. A student will forego weekend get-togethers because he knows his commitment to his studies will open the door to his dream career. Maybe we could say it like this, why are people willing to suffer hardship? And why were these Thessalonians able to endure great affliction as we just read? It's because hard times don't last. Hard times come, But church, hard times go. I've got good news for you. Sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The Bible says that, you know what? If you continue to sow, and even in difficult times, you will reap if you faint not. So don't grow weary in well-doing. Today, the encouragement is to take some time to look at the hope that awaits us in difficult situations and to put that at our forefront because when we do, it will grace us. It will enable us to be resilient in difficult situations. I once read this quote, it said that tough times don't last, but tough people do. And today we're revealing the secret to their strength. My friends, it's called hope. I, I, I love the story of Jacob. The Bible says that Jacob endured seven years of toil in order to get Rachel. Actually, he didn't get Rachel after seven years, he got Leah. And then he had to commit to another seven years before actually getting Rachel. Yet we, lead, we read here in Genesis 29, verse number 20, it seemed only a few days to him for his love for her. His toil of seven years plus, his toil of, of 14 years, it, it went by as though, as though it were only a few days because of the hope of getting the love of his life. Come on, somebody. The Bible tells us this about Moses, that Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Why? The Bible says, for he looked to the reward. Moses had his eyes on on something else other than what was going on around him. I love this verse in, in, in Hebrews. It says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Have you ever taken time, I know we just got out of Easter, but have you taken the time to consider what Jesus actually endured? Jesus was no mamby-pamby, sissy kind of a man. Jesus was a man's man. And Jesus endured crucifixion on the cross, which till this day and age, people still say is one of the most gruesome ways that you can die. Jesus endured the cat of nine tails. This this cat of nine tails was not created just to simply leave marks on your back. It was created to tear the flesh away. And after they tore his flesh away and they, they crowned him with the crown of thorns, they, they brought him down and they strapped a cross to his back. And we read that as he climbed Golgotha's hill that he dropped the cross along the way. Modern science will tell you that the reason he dropped the cross was because he had already lost enough blood that his blood pressure began to, fe- to fall deathly low. And so he needed help from a man by the name of Simon to continue his carry up Golgotha's hill. And then once he reached Golgotha's hill, they nailed him to a tree. 
They stood him up there and there Jesus gave his life a ransom for you and for me. He endured that cross. And aren't you thankful today? In fact, if you could just for a moment right there in your house, right there in your house, you ought to give God at least five seconds of praise for what Jesus endured for your sake and for mine. And the Bible tells us that how he did that. It's because of the joy that was set before him. He had hope awaiting him at the end of his journey. That hope of you and that hope of gaining me. My friends, in order to have this patience of hope that we're speaking of, you and I need to take the time to remember what God's promises are for our lives. We need to take the time to remember that God has promised that if you will believe John chapter 11, you will see the glory of God. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And there, Mary and Martha, they received the glory of God, not only in this life, okay, but also in the one that's to come. Lazarus came back from the dead. God promises the glory of God at the end of our struggles and at the end of our situations. I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what your challenge is. For all of us, at least, we know it's this COVID-19 crisis for the time being. And some of us, it's, it's affected worse than others. But listen, today, God wants to get some glory out of it. And so whatever your situation is, turn your attention onto the hope that lies ahead. Hebrews 6, 19 says this, This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. My friends, when your soul wants to, wants to lose control, when you, again, when, you want, when you're tempted to complain, lash out, get angry, give up, cave in and quit, there's hope that awaits to help keep your soul anchored so that you receive the promise at the end of your journey. Ooh, that's good. The second thing I, I found that was present in the lives of the Thessalonians was this. Okay, not only did they have patience of hope, but number two, they had the operation of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Let's read verses 5 and 6 once again. First, First Thessalonians 5 and 6. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became follower, followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, Paul is talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit when he showed up in Thessalonica. But don't you know that the Holy Spirit showed up in Thessalonica so that the Holy Spirit could stay? And the Holy Spirit has shown up in your life and in my life so that he can make his residence among us and he can have his operation in our daily lives. Who is this Holy Spirit? This, this advocate Jesus describes, this, this helper, this spirit of truth, this comforter, the, the, the scripture defines him as. This finger of God. Jesus said, man, if I cast out devils by the finger of God and he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. This power that Jesus said, hey, don't leave Jerusalem until you have been endued with power from on high. This is the Holy Spirit that God has given to you and to me. And he's given him so that he could be with us always until we see Jesus face to face and really even after that forevermore. He's given him to you and I to make residence in our lives and to have his operation as we go about day to day. And so the thing I thought when I was, when I was looking at this, I, I recognized that Paul mentions these different attributes that the power of God was present. The joy of the Lord was present. He mentions here, as we just read, the assurance, blessed assurance. Did anybody remember the old song? Blessed assurance, Jesus. Man, in a time like this, I don't know about you, but I need some assurance in my life. And it's going to come from the operation of the Holy Spirit. So here's what we need to do. We need to make room for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in our lives. My friends, today, if you're a Christian, it's not a matter of whether or not you have the Holy Spirit. It's a matter of whether or not you're going to give him room to have operation 
in your life. You know, again, in, the, in, this, in this time where we've been on, you know, lockdown and all this kind of stuff, um, me and my family, have, I, I've, I've set myself um, and my family to do some more uh, praying together, reading scripture and worshiping together. And just a couple nights ago, we had a time of worship and prayer. And uh, it was there with my wife and my two children. And as we, are, as we are worshiping, I happened to look over and saw my nine-year-old son with tears coming down his face. And so I went over to him and I said, I said, honey, are you okay? Uh, what's going on? He kind of shrugged his shoulders. He didn't really have the words to say. And I said, okay, do you, is God speaking to you? And he, and he nodded yes. I said, okay, when we're done, we'll talk about it. And he and I had a long conversation of what the Holy Spirit was speaking to him, of what God was speaking to him. And he began to share things with me that I thought, I've tried to teach you that for years. And, that, and, and now you got it? Well, now he got it because the Holy Spirit was present and was doing his work in our hearts and in our lives. You know, I thought to myself, you know, I think sometimes it's not a matter of whether or not we're doing the right thing. We are doing the right thing. We just fail to bring God into the middle of, of what we're doing. Uh, the scripture says this, unless the builders, unless God builds the house, the builders build in vain. It's not that the house shouldn't be built or that God doesn't want to build the house. It's, it, it's a matter of, of, his, of whether or not he's involved. It, it goes on to say, listen, the, the people who watch the city, the watchmen, they watch in vain unless the Lord is part of their watching. It's not that they shouldn't be watching, uh, you know, the, the city. It shouldn't be watching the walls. It's a matter of whether or not you have made room and invited the Holy Spirit to come in and have his operation among you. And my friends, I want to say to you today, that in many of our efforts and in many of our, you know, seeking to do the right thing, maybe it's been as difficult as it has been because the Holy Spirit hasn't been involved. Or maybe, or, or maybe you know, you accomplished what you set forth to do, but it really wasn't as effective as you were hoping. And, and again, maybe that's because the Holy Spirit, we've, we failed to invite Him into having His operation and His, and, and his influence in our lives. So the encouragement is this, that the, Thessal that the Thessalonians... Man, they had this characteristic that the Holy Spirit was in operation. And so much so that they had the power of God. They had the joy of the Lord. They had the assurance of God. And their faith sounded forth to the entire region. Number three today, we find that the Thessalonians displayed great faith. Let's read verses 8 and 9 together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says this, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. What do we see here? We see that the Thessalonians put their faith on display. Well, what does that mean? Okay? It means this, that the Thessalonians allowed their faith to guide them. They allowed their faith to guide them. You might even say it this way, that they held true to the things that they believed. Even though they faced great affliction, they held true. They were consistent. Kind of reminds you of our first point when we talked about patience, right? Remaining consistent in the most difficult of situations. Well, perhaps now we're beginning to gain more clarity as to what that means. What does it mean to, be, to persevere? What does it mean to, to have patience? What, is it, what, what, what does this idea entail? It means remaining consistent to the things that you believe and allowing those to guide your heart and, and to guide your life. You see, in every situation, we will either choose to live out what we believe or set it aside. 
let me say that again, in every situation that we face, we will either choose to live out our faith, put it on display, or we will choose to set it aside. Have you ever considered that James teaches us that faith without works is dead? Notice what he said there. He did not say faith without works doesn't exist. No, he said faith without works is dead. Or in other words, it's inactive. You see, many times it's not whether or not you and I have faith, have faith about our situation, have faith about God, have faith about the the scripture or, or what God may want us to do. It's a matter of whether or not we'll allow that faith to run its course in our life. It's a matter of whether or not we will activate it and live it out. And in doing so, put it on display. James says, faith without works is dead. In fact, he goes on to say, and I want to read this to you in James chapter 2, verse number 18. He says this, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You have faith, I have works. I want to see your faith without works. You can't do it. It's an impossibility. How do I know what you believe if I see no action supporting what you believe? Ah, but you will see my faith by my works. In other words, my faith will be on display because I will hold true to what I believe in every situation. My friends, this is what I want to say to you, is that, you know what, when faith meets challenge or when faith meets difficulty, it becomes a great testimony for God. And that's what happened in the church of Thessalonica. Their faith had sounded forth and had gone out to all those in the region because they remained true. And, and, that's how they, and that's how they displayed their faith. They remained true even though they faced difficult times. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about characteristics of a standout church. God wants you to be a standout church. God wants me to be the uh, standout church. We are the church of the living God. And that's going to happen as we embrace, okay, and set these benchmarks for ourselves in our own lives, these characteristics that the church at Thessalonica had. What were they? One more time, they had patience of hope. Number two, they had the operation of the Holy Spirit. And number three, they put great faith on display. Let me close by reading you a quote. I was not able to um, find who, who wrote this quote, but it's a great quote nonetheless. It says this, The greater danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. So today, my friends, I know you can do it. You've got God on your side. You have the resources of heaven. Let's embrace these truths and let's let God make us the standout church he desires us to be for his glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.